Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with science advisor Matt Moniz and psychic medium Stephanie Burke, the silent assassin, off again. I miss him. I miss him quite a bit. I wish he was here with us. It's never the same without him. No, it's not. But we will uh, we will make do and we will find a way to put on a happy face. And I think I just ran something that I shouldn't run during the Red Sox. Whoops. Hold on. Let me check. Nope. Nope. Sounds like it's supposed to be going at the right time. Okay, good. You you, got to love when I check that stuff live on the air. But that's what happens when the Red Sox are going (laughs) on at the same time. You know, we have to we have to serve the Red Sox. Right. Because that's the important thing that's going on over the air. I'll heal the Red Sox. We'll talk. You know, listen, I'm happy that the, the station carries them. But I'm also happy when the season's over and we can just do Spooky South Coast on Saturday nights without having to worry about all that. Right. It's. But I do love my socks. It's a challenge. Yeah, but Saturday day games would be fine. Yeah, agreed. If the entire season was nothing but Saturday afternoon day games, that would be fine by me. I don't know why we have to have these night games on a Saturday anyway. It's stupid. Entertainment for people. Yeah, but it's better off when they're afternoon games on the weekends, when people can sit around and watch them and then go out and do their Saturday night stuff like watching Spooky South Coast. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. By the way, uh, we'll start the Spooky Snack Coast portion of the show a little bit early tonight. Are we going to? Well, because I don't know, if you're, I don't know if you're aware of this. Well, clearly I'm not. <gasps> what is that? Burger King has what? a taco. Uh, so, I don't know. Do you want to try it? I'm scared. Is it warm? Well, it's not warm. It was warm when I got I it. I want to look at like it. Like an hour ago. Let me look at it. That's, but why don't you kind of like Kentucky Fried Chicken doing burgers, right? All right, hold on, I'm gonna pull it out. If, if I mean, if you want to wait and like reheat it during the the news break, you could try it. <laughs> but uh, I should have bought one for everybody. You probably should have. But like, can we talk about this thing? <laughs> well, hey, listen, I'm that's glad he didn't listen. I hate it. to tell you, that's what a Taco Bell taco looks like right, when it gets I, cold I'm too. Dissect it a little bit. It's got lettuce. It's got cheese. It's got beef. Okay, so it's like it's just just a simple, crunchy taco, with yeah lettuce, cheese, right, and beef. Same as a Taco Bell taco. Um, no tomato. No, no tomato. I don't. I, I don't you know, know. I don't. I don't know how I feel about this. And you know what? You never text me. So did you try the Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning yet? No, I haven't tried it yet. I would have brought some. I kept forgetting to go to KFC and try it. I offered. I figure if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna go all out and I'm gonna try the. Uh, I'm going to try the uh, Cheetos chicken sandwich, too. You know, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Matt was telling me the other day, uh, he was in here working a baseball game. I think, and, I think I have to hand that back to you. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, well, maybe maybe we'll heat it up during the break and dissect it into fours, threes. No, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. There's certain things that I draw the line at. You know what? I'd probably eat that, though, before I eat a 7-Eleven pizza or hot dog. Well, there's well, 7-Eleven hot dogs are fine. Those are really good. But there's a, there's a long Nobody history. Nobody eats gas station hot dogs. Um, lots of people do. That's no. why they have to keep putting more out. No. The uh, There's a long history of fast food restaurants trying other things that are kind of out of their wheelhouse. So, like, okay. if you if you look it up on YouTube, you can see, like, the old commercials for them, like when McDonald's had uh, spaghetti. Did you see? The mixed spaghetti. We probably should have done something about this, or maybe one of us can take a ride during the break. I don't know if they're open, though. <laughs> Um, you guys were big foodies in case you can't tell. 
The McDonald's bags lately. Garbage fruities, that's what we <laughs> And I only know because I ate McDonald's today, which is horrible. But they said that they have uh, all different countries um, on the menu for a very limited time. So right, I think yeah. Canada's on there, China might be on there, or Japan or something. Have you tried any of them? No. Why? McDonald's, that- McDonald's is salty to me. I try to avoid it. Okay. You don't want to try like weird stuff from different McDonald's around the world? It's not really weird. No, it's just, they just put, it, it's not that different. Yeah, it is. Like the Canadian one is just like, they put bacon on a burger. And no. I, so I went to like a McDonald's. Then they have like an Italian chicken sandwich. Nope. I went to a McDonald's in Canada and um, I got their poutine or their, their yeah. version of poutine and it's so weird. It tastes like uh, chow mein. Do you, uh, do you know what they call a Big Mac in France? I feel like I'm going to walk right into this and I don't want call, to. You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? <laughs> no. A Royale with cheese. What do they call a Big Mac? A Big Mac is a Big Mac, except they call it Le Big Mac. Really? This is this is all from really? this is all from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You're so so weird. So weird. Why do you think why do you think they call it a Royale with cheese? Instead not, of a I'm quarter pounder. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a question. Game. No, I I'm refuse to take part. Why do you think in France they call it a, a Royale with cheese instead of a quarter pounder? Think about it. At this point, I've blocked you out completely. Like, it's not happening. So, go why, ahead. Why wouldn't, they, your why wouldn't they have a quarter pounder in France? Why not? Well, they don't have quarters, so. They don't have, because of the the metric system. <laughs> the metric system. Okay. It's... It's a real thing. They don't have the metric system there. So I do know that. They can't call it a quarter pounder. I never know what to expect. They wouldn't you. know what a quarter pound is. No. Um, well, anyway. Anyways, the poutine tastes like chow mein. That's gross. It's actually not bad. It's but just weird. For those who are unfamiliar, we live in an area where they put chow mein in a hamburger roll and call it a sandwich. So That is true. That is true. Which is probably the weirdest thing to come out of this area. Think so? It's also not that bad. I haven't had it. I love chow mein, but I haven't had it on a hamburger roll. Not that I think I'd be opposed to it. It's just strange. Yeah. It's no different than having a dinner roll with yeah. it or something. Yeah. You know. um, you really think that's the weirdest? Well, I don't, I wouldn't call that the weirdest. We have a very eclectic area. No, but I think most things, if people tried them, they would, they would be okay with them. I like, would rather eat a chow mein sandwich than like squid. Yeah, but that's something that people eat all over the place. Like Japanese people eat squid. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere there's an ocean, people will eat squid. But the, um, in terms of like the weird things that we have to offer other people, like if we told them, oh, everybody goes crazy for chow mein sandwiches, they'd be like, what the hell? But, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we have, like when we do our, our paranormal events and we get pizza, we usually get linguisa or Cherise pizza mm. and people who aren't from this area will be like, what's that? Oh, it's a Portuguese sausage. And then they try it and they love it. So, yeah, I mean, well, you go a lot of different places and People have no idea what like Portuguese sausage is at all. Um, In Hawaii, they have they pride themselves on the fact that they're a very um, different, diverse area. Like you know, Hawaiian food is basically like a bunch of random things from different cultures, (laughs) and they have a big Portuguese culture there. And they have this Portuguese bean soup, and I'm like, you guys, this is kale soup without the sausage. <laughs> Do you know what linguisa and chorizo are? And they're like, no. I'm like, I will pack some with me next time I go. Do you know what Mozambique is? No. Okay. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll make you some. I'm a big fan Kisarla. of the. I'm a big fan of the punch from Hawaii. 
the punch? Yes. Why? Hawaiian punch. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a huge fan of Hawaiian punch, and it drives me crazy that everywhere you go in Hawaii and you order fruit punch, I think it's Fanta, and it doesn't taste that good. Why wouldn't you have Hawaiian punch in Hawaii? Because it's not really Hawaiian. I know, but it should be, right? Well, that's like my favorite fruit punch. This is what we do. We spread the word of various foods through the paranormal. Like like Porter. Porter's uh, obsessed with hood milk, right? Didn't didn't you say he loves hood milk? No. Eggnog. Hood eggnog. Okay, but it has to be hood. It has to be hood. Like garlic? Forget it. Right. See, that's the thing. It's like hood you can only get here in New England. You can't get hood other places. Right. It's my fault that he's addicted to it. So, and it's it's the best. I mean, if you... It really is. Has he tried like coffee ice cream? milk yet? Coffee milk? I did make him coffee milk. I did. And then I promised his parents I'd bring coffee syrup down to Tennessee, so that way they could try it, and uh, I haven't done it yet. I'm still waiting for somebody to bring us Silmo coffee syrup, which oh, was apparently God. the best coffee syrup in the world, but the family who owns the recipe will not sell it to other coffee... You know, the, the company shut down. But they will not sell the recipe to anybody else. So I, I know people who claim to be in the family and say that they know the recipe and can make us a batch of Silmo coffee syrup, but have never actually delivered on that promise. So if they're listening to this show or watching this show, I want my Silmo. Apparently it was like the best coffee syrup in the world. I've, I've heard this, but there's nobody to really verify it. Well, I mean, anybody that's had it in the past will tell you like, you know... We we usually say around here, autocrats the best. Well, I because, agree. You know, autocrats actual real New Englands from Rhode Island, but apparently Silmo puts that to shame. And for those of you out there who are like, Ooh, what's, what's coffee syrup? What's coffee milk? And but we are, we're not even going to start to get into the chippy with you. Oh yeah. You know, I was going to bring him up, but I was like, I'm not sure if I should or could or can't or. Like the, I, I don't even I they don't make know, me so sick. But I don't know so good. what a chippy is. I don't know like. Like what black magic they use to create them. It is because black magic. they're really just pouring. Like when you look at them, they put some milk in the cup and then they pour like this secret container into the cup where you don't know where it comes from. But I have not seen it made. I buy it by the gallon. <laughs> it's basically it's it's basically just like melted coffee ice cream. Um, is what it tastes like. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why don't they make frozen chippies? They probably do. Mm-mm. Marisol's doesn't do a frozen chippy? They have never advertised a frozen chippy. It might be like something that you just have to ask for, but they do. Because they have frozen everything else. So You would think. I don't know. It's This is what happens to me when I go into Marisol's. I just walk in and get in line. First of all, mm-hmm. because I've already fought for three hours to get a parking spot. Oh, it's awful. They but need I, a bigger parking lot. I just walk in and I don't even look at the menu because it's so confusing. Yep. And so, If a menu is written in chalk, I'm screwed. Yeah. Because, like, to me, that is, like, there's no way I'm ever going to read it and, and comprehend mm-hmm. it all. So I just kind of walk straight forward, and I don't look at anything in the cases. I don't look at anything on the wall. I just say, I'm like, can I have a large chippy? And that's it. And then I just leave, because everything else would just be too overwhelming. So, anyway, if you're coming to New England for the Ocean State Paracon next weekend, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, uh, then I recommend rolling through Dartmouth, stopping at Mirasol's Cafe, getting one of those chippies. Imagine if I just showed up with them at Ocean State Paracon. I could charge whatever I wanted for those. I could be like, it's $30 for one of these, and people would pay for it because people go that crazy for them. But, uh, yeah, so you can check that out for yourself. Grab, come come on up. Grab a chippy. Grab a uh, 
grab a, a chow mein sandwich for yourself. And, Let's see. And Somebody just asked stuff why do they Stephanie, why do they put cinnamon sugar on their butter for the dinner rolls at the restaurants in Tennessee? I think the only place I've been that does that is Logan's and it's delicious and addictive. But I think they also do it at Texas Roadhouse. Yeah, they do that at a lot of places around here. Like any place that's trying to have like a barbecue theme, they'll do that or they'll have apple butter. I don't know if I've had apple butter. Apple uh, butter's pretty good. I'm trying good. to think. Goes great on pancakes. I don't remember. But the, the cinnamon sugar is definitely a problem. But, uh, yeah, okay. We should probably get into some, some paranormal <laughs> talk here tonight, which is uh, the theme of the show. And we're, gonna jo- we're going to be joined in just a few moments from our with our guests, uh, Ron Kolick and Maureen Wood. You know them if you are a fan of anything New England, anything paranormal in New England. You know Maureen and Ron. They're going to be joining us to talk about their latest ventures. And, uh, and of course, Ron will also be part of the Ocean State Paracon next weekend. And, by the way... For those of you who go to the Ocean State Paracon uh, on Sunday, I'm going to be sneaking off for dinner at the end of it Ugh. at one of my favorite places. Really? Yep. Don't tell me that. Why? Because. You like it there too? Yeah. It's rare that you like a restaurant that I like. I brought you there. But it's rare that you like the food at a place. But I Just brought Just because you, you like to go there doesn't mean that you like to eat it. I ate it with you. Right, but that doesn't mean that you... But I said, hey, Tim, like this place food. is delicious. We have to go. No, you just said you were going to bring me there. I like the food. It's well, very, I like the atmosphere, too. It's really That's cool. what I mean. It's very rare that you actually right. like the food in a place. I could just go meet you because I wasn't yeah. invited to Ocean State Paracon. You so. can absolutely meet me. I'm sure there'll be some other folks that, that go as well. Yeah. Whoever's around and, and wants to go, especially whoever wants to buy me dinner. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's the thing. Like, if you want a, an invite to my favorite restaurant down there, then all you have to do is just volunteer to pay. Yep. And I will definitely uh, tell you where it so is. So basically, anybody that wants to have dinner with Tim, you just have to pay for his food and he'll go with you. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the standing rule anyway. I think that's a Moniz rule too. Yeah, that's pretty much the standing rule. Like if you ask me to go and you say that you're going to pay. So now I'm torn though because I have two favorite restaurants. Because that's my favorite restaurant. That was my favorite restaurant before, but mm-hmm. now with Charred Oak. I have a new favorite restaurant, right. so it's like Which now- Which we have to go to, and I'm not buying your dinner. Now it's my favorite restaurant in Rhode Island, and then my favorite restaurant in Massachusetts is how I'm categorizing them, so. Although, I also went to um, the other place in Newport, the White Horse Tavern, right? And the food there was pretty awesome, too. And the atmosphere there was cool. I haven't been there. I want to go. Scotch egg? No, that's Scotch not egg? That's the way to ever. go. Scotch egg. I swear to God, if you eat it, you no, will love it's, it. it's never going to happen. If you you have to like eggs, though. You know, I don't mind eggs. I generally but don't. I will like stick eggs. with chicken eggs. But I like duck eggs. I don't know. Nope. Okay. Well, I think that we have. Uh, I'm just gonna make sure that I switch all these buttons correctly so that we can bring our guests on. And by the way, uh, as we talk about the Ocean State Paracon a little bit uh, during the course of the night and with our discussions, if you want to get tickets, just go to riseupparanormal.com, click on the Paracon tab there, and uh, and you can get your advanced tickets. But I would hurry up and do that because, you know, next weekend is just about upon us, and uh, and people will be snatching those tickets up at the door, so you want to make sure that you get yours ahead of time so you can get in. So let's go to the phone lines. I believe we have a is – this, is this Ron on this line? No, this is Maureen. Maureen. I should have known because you were early. 
<laughs> See, you're getting to know us very well. <laughs> we'll wait a few more minutes, and then uh, Ron will probably join us. But uh, thank you for for joining us tonight, Maureen Wood. And uh, we, I think, have we had you on Spooky South Coast before? Yeah. I think so. It's been a while. Okay, I know I that we've had Ron on way too many times already. Ah, uh, well, so. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to comment. <laughs> but you know, uh, Ron is a great guy. He's, you know. You love, you know him, you love him. Put it that way. He is, and 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 uh, for those of you who have never heard him on the show, uh, he he likes to to pick on me, and pretty much pick on oh, all of us. So that's why I'm trying I to make sure. Hard to believe. <laughs> I'm trying to get my shots in before he gets on the phone line. <laughs> uh, so, but but thank you for for joining us, and uh, and and I think we're going to have a pretty fascinating discussion. But while we're waiting for Ron, why don't you give everybody that's listening a, a little bit about uh, about who you are and your background. Uh, okay, so I have worked with the New England Ghost Project. It's scary to even think about. So about 17 years. Um, and I am a psychic medium. Um, I've started working with Ron early on. Um, basically, you know, uh, I had seen a newspaper article that he had written. And uh, there was something that just, you know, someone handed me the newspaper. And I had just been talking with my girlfriend, um, Betty. So I'm sure she's out there listening right now. And uh, basically, she said, you know, got to put it out there, Maureen. What are you going to do with these abilities? I had been doing readings for people and so forth. And I said, you know what? I'm putting it out there. If it's meant to be, it's going to be. There's, there's got to be a reason. So the next thing I know, I'm handed a newspaper. Ron is in that, had written that article. And I sent him an email. And he invited me out to investigate, uh, which was interesting because I never met him. He called me up and said, hey, you know, we're going out doing an investigation out on an island, being dropped off by a boat, there's no bathrooms, there's nothing, would you like to go? And I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into? Um, but, you know, I agreed, and it did, It just didn't happen to go through, but, you know, we got together, and we met for a meal, and, uh, you know, he tested me at this haunted restaurant, um, invited me to go to more four-part series, four-part series, rather, for Halloween, and when we did that series, after the first night, he invited me to join the New England Ghost Project, and it's been that way for, well, like I said, 17 years. Well, I think we have uh, we have the man himself on the line right now. Uh, he is known as New England's Van Helsing, and I just hung up on Maureen uh, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. Uh, good evening, Ron. How are you? Fine. And and uh, hopefully Maureen calls back in because uh, she should know by now that I'm terrible at the technical side of things. That same thing happened when you guys were with me on Midnight in the Desert where I was having trouble keeping you both on the line. No, I can't imagine that. Uh, you know, it's it's not like I haven't been doing this for, what, 13 years now that I can't figure this out for myself. But uh, you know, we were just uh, talking with Maureen about how she got started with the New England Ghost Project. But, Ron, when did you start that project? It's 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 been something that's been going on for a long time. Um, you know, you were kind of one of the original people around the New England area. Uh, I guess I, you know, it's it's been so. I guess around 1998 that the, that the Ghost Project actually started. I believe it was after. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, the internet was new. I remember that because <laughs> when I went on the internet, there was like, you know, two really good. Uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, websites. Uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Belanger's Ghost Village, of course, was the number one site. And then I think it was Hollow Hill was the other. It wasn't a hell of a lot uh, on the internet at that time. 
And and so was it hard in those days to, to be able to find cases and find investigations? Or did you find that being amongst just a handful of sites, it, it actually was easier to get some of these cases? It was actually easier back then. It was, you know, back then it was a lot easier, I would say. Uh, it, was, it was so funny because, you know, if you told somebody what you did, uh, you know, as a paranormal investigator, they're like, oh, wow, you know, tell me more and everything else. Nowadays, if you uh, say it, it's like, uh, uh, you know, oh, yeah, my cousin uh, has it, or my nephew has a group, and, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's, everybody's doing it. So, yeah, it's a big difference. Right, yeah, these days it's, uh, you know, you can, you know, walk outside in New England and, and throw a baseball and, and hit a paranormal group. You're right. But uh, we, we, you know, but that's the thing about this area is that we have so many places and so many cases that can be investigated that uh, it's almost like you can't really have an oversaturation of, of groups in this area. I mean, do you find in your experience, Ron, that, uh, you know, there's, there's been enough for everybody to go around? Uh, I, I think it's changed. That's all I can really say. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to investigate. You're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, every building, I think, has a story of one sort or another. It's just uh, with the advent of television uh, shows, it's just become so super saturated, and so uh, they people watch these show and they they figure this is the way to do it, and this is the only way it can be done, or or you know uh, they have demons automatically, you know it's it's no longer ghosts. I mean, it, it, that's that's the funny part of it. You, you, back when I started. Uh, nobody had demons. Be honest with you. Uh, if there were any demons, the Catholic Church was investigating them. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know that was pretty much it. But now, like you know, everybody's got demons and nasty stuff everywhere. I don't know. Maybe it's getting towards the end of the world, and all these demons are coming out from their hiding places. Who knows? Um, or it could just be that you know they need something a little bit more sexy than than the regular. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, I mean, that's it's. I, I really believe that. Tim. I mean, you look at the you look at the ghost hunters. I mean, when they first started doing it, uh, they were one of the first TV shows. I think most haunted was uh, primarily, I think, on before them. And, and actually, I had a, the first commercial uh, ghost hunting reality show back on WNDS before even the ghost hunters. But, anyways, if you look at the uh, the ghost hunters when they first came out, they would go out and they'd go and do their own investigation. Then they would say if the place was either haunted or not. And then it became, you know, pretty much every place was haunted and pretty much uh, it became all nasty stuff and, and demons and, you know, it, it escalated. It started off, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure if there's anything here or not until, you know, this this stuff everywhere. Right. That, that has been a, a big a sea change in the way that it works is that, you know, now it used to be that we would see some cases where it wasn't paranormal so that we would learn kind of how to differentiate and, and, and the viewer could actually kind of see, oh, maybe sometimes the creaks that are happening in my house aren't a ghost and, and I should look into other avenues of what they could be before I call a paranormal group to then suddenly, you know, we only saw the episodes where paranormal stuff was happening. So I, I agree with you absolutely. And and oh, I think we just we lost Maureen again. That I didn't even press any buttons that time. <laughs> that wasn't me. I didn't press you. anything. Uh, so, but 
was what was that like for you then, Ron, when you were watching some of these shows come out and you're watching these people, um, you know, make it onto television? Were you seeing the way that they were investigating and seeing what they were bringing to the table? And, and what, what were your thoughts about that, having already been in the field for a few years and, and having already seen the way that investigations go down in real life? Because I think a lot of paranormal researchers that are out there now, they started after Ghost Hunters. So they never really had that experience of seeing somebody on TV doing what it was that they do. Right. And, you know, I mean, quite honestly, I really don't watch many of these paranormal shows if at all. Uh, you know, the ones that I, back in the day when I first started, the one I loved was uh, Most Haunted because uh, it, it, it wasn't so much about the paranormals as far as it, uh, the ways of paranormal investigating, but just the entertainment value. I mean, we, you know, going to the cool sites and uh, hearing the history from Richard Felix and then having Yvette scream and run around all the place and, and uh, you know, have uh, David uh, uh, David Wells or Derek Accord give their little psychic bit on it and, and uh, then have Karen O'Keefe or Steve Parsons or whoever else the parapsychologist was trying to analyze it and it was kind of interesting, I, uh, strictly on entertainment value. Uh, I kind of didn't even use it, like, as far as uh, my own paranormal investigating. Uh, so I really didn't fashion it off the, after the ghost hunters or, or after most haunted or anything. It's just kind of uh, reading and, uh, you know, studying those who had, had done it before if there was TV. And, and Maureen, for yourself, I mean, was it, did you watch some of these shows yourself and, and see the way that um, pe they were, I mean, I know that Most Haunted was a show that utilized people that had uh, abilities such as yours. You know, Ghost Hunters shied away from it for a long time. Uh, oh, yeah. Some of these other shows did, but, uh, you know, you must have seen that Maureen on Most Haunted and, and seen kind of how they treated that as part of the investigation. I only, honestly, I've only watched uh, some of those shows maybe once or twice. Um, and part of the reason for that is so that I was true to myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't even want to have my own subconscious kind of playing into something I might have seen on, on television and the way another group did it. Um, it was just, it was more for me. Um, and that was how I kind of kept up with it. And I heard about it, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, my friends of mine would say, oh, wow, I saw that show and this is what was happening. And, um, you know, so I'd hear bits and pieces, but it wasn't like I would sit down and, and watch it religiously. And, and Ron, for yourself to uh, incorporate Maureen into your investigations, uh, you, you know, if you go back into some of the, the previous investigations of, of uh, some of those who came before us, you know, you look at Harry Price, you look at Hans Holzer, these were guys that always incorporated mediums in what it was that they were doing and, and utilizing them as another avenue to, to be able to research and, and, and verify what it was that they were encountering. Was that kind of your mindset in going into investigations with Maureen to, to kind of follow in that same tradition, or were you just doing what kind of felt right? Oh, my God, don't say it, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> the, inter the interesting thing about it, uh, Tim, is I really never thought about uh, using psychics at all. It was, you know, to me, they were all charlatans that worked at the beach. I hope there aren't any gypsies at the beach listening now. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, doing fortune-telling and, and so forth. Uh, but I, I met Maureen, and she asked to go on an investigation with me, and 
I said, well, I got really nothing to lose. Uh, you know, uh, I could listen to hear what she says, and if she can give me anything, that'd be great. It's another tool in my toolbox. So um, that's how I really got involved with it. And then uh, I realized that, uh, you know, there is some validity to uh, mediumship and, and to psychics and the uh, other uh, of the, the uh, physical, what do you call it? physical, what do you, is another word for it, spiritual side of it, anyways. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, like I said, I never went in, involved. One funny story, I remember, like, I, I've been doing this for so long, I remember when uh, the Ghost Hunters had their first book came out, and uh, Jason was talking about, he, he was having feelings as, as a medium, and uh, his, I think, I can't remember if it was his aunt or his grandmother, totally eat olives, and that would cure him of it. <laughs> Do you remember that, uh, Tim? No, I don't. But I eat a lot of olives, and I don't think it's helped uh, me out any. No, it didn't. Yeah, that was. Uh, was I think that was in this morning. Do you remember it? As far as I do remember it, and I'm only hearing bits and pieces of your conversation, so it's really low on my end. Yeah, um, sorry about that. We'll we'll just uh, we'll get Ron to talk a little louder. Oh, like it's ever been a problem before. Come on, Ron. <laughs> So, so he was saying, like he was, he was uh, referencing a story that uh, that Jason Hawes had about uh, eating olives when it comes to uh, psychic abilities. Yes, I do remember that conversation um, and his reference about that. And yeah, that is interesting. I've never heard about that. I can't say one way or the other, but um, I'll be nice. I just, I'm not sure olives do much for me anyway. Stephanie, don't you don't like e- you don't eat olives. I don't eat them at you, all. You're one They're of the most disgusting. psychic people I know, and you don't you always give me your olives if you have any. I always <laughs> give you <laughs> green, that's black. Her powers. Doesn't matter. I you know. Oh, yeah, I love olives. It's nope. Just, never have noticed anything different. That's all. I think they're disgusting. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have to be honest. <laughs> Kalamata. Got to be eating the right ones. Oh no. yeah, Kalamata. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's they just smell funny. I can't get past it. <laughs> you gotta get the good ones, not the old ones. Well, it's, that's the thing is, I just put them all in a Greek salad with tons of feta anyway, so it's gonna smell bad no matter what. Oh, that's even worse. That's like oh no. Good. I'm, I'm with you, Tim. I'm ho- I hope I'm sitting next to Ron at the Ocean State Paracon next week, so I can just bring a big old Greek salad oh, God, and just no, that's... eat it down, you know, upwind of him and. Uh... <laughs> Ew. I love I love a Greek salad. It's the best salad. Eyeballs and baby puke. Wonderful. Yes. The best yes. the best salad ever. Uh, so when you when you first started working together, then Ron, was it an adjustment period for you to be able to uh, kind of you know take what Maureen was giving you and and being able to incorporate it into the investigation, or were you kind of scratching your head at some point saying like eh, I'm not really sure that I can you know count on that information just yet. No, I mean, to, to me, it was more of an adjustment period for her. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, everything, I mean, as a job, as a, as a paranormal investigator, it, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to document everything. And, and that's kind of the way I went into it. You know, whatever Maureen gave me, that's what I documented and, and see if there was any validity to it or, or how it played in with the investigation. And, and that's pretty much the way I use this. <laughs> Sounds like I'm, I'm using you know, it. Tim, work with I will <laughs> say, over time, at first it was a really big adjustment period for both of us, I think, right? Because 
I think, you know, I started, when I started working, the first night I did an investigation at the Wyndham restaurant with Ron, you know, I had a pendulum. And that was great for Ron, you know, because Ron, to have something for anybody, that's visual, you know. So you're asking a question, you're getting a response. I think when I started, you know, the more investigations I did with him, the more I felt more comfortable to, you know, bring in other parts of myself, let's say more information or things I was getting. And that's when it got a little dicey, right? So I, I'll never forget being in... I'm trying to think it was Middleton or in Salem, Mass. We were doing this house and uh, for this woman, and she was such a lovely woman, and we're up there and we're investigating, and Ron's looking at me, and I'm asking questions. And, you know, obviously the questions were names, and I'm picking up names or information, and he's looking at me like, that's not a yes and a no or a maybe. And so it was then I said, well, that's information I'm getting. So I think it, over time, obviously, both of us we came to understand and I think work and trust with each other. So that's how it me anyway, how it grew. Yeah, and I, I think that that's got to be something that is 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 difficult because, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're putting, you know, you want to do the best job that you can, but at the same time, you want to be cognizant of the fact that not everybody understands what it is that you have because they don't, you know, we talk about with Stephanie all the time. It's it's hard to be able to understand it if you don't have it yourself. Right. And, and I, I suffer from that a lot where, you know, people will... Uh, obviously, you know, somebody like yourself, Maureen, somebody like Stephanie, people that I know that have been doing this for a long time and or have worked with people that I know and trust. And, you know, I can kind of take that leap of faith a little bit more. But when I'm on an, an investigation that's, you know, just like an event where we're, you know, selling tickets to an event and somebody comes in and says, well, I'm a psychic medium and I'm picking up on this and I'm picking up on that. You know, my first inclination, no offense to anybody out there, is to tune that out. Right. And not listen because... because it always happens. I, and I don't know you, and I don't know anything about you. So there's, right. I'm sure that you were hitting that same wall a lot of the time, not, not specifically with Ron, but maybe with some of the other people that you were investigating with, or, or more importantly, the people you were investigating for. Yeah, I think, you know, to be honest, and Stephanie, I'm sure, can agree, you know, um, I'm not quite sure, Stephanie, like when you've had your abilities, if it's been all your life, but those are the roadblocks you hit all your life. Um, if you've grown up with abilities that just, you know, I think everybody has it, but I think some people maybe have it at a younger age and maybe stronger than others. Um, and then it's an adjustment even then. Um, I actually have a neighbor that I'm working with uh, because of her granddaughter who is very sensitive and has all these different, you know, spirits or entities that she picks up on. A lot of times I think she's bringing them in. But the point is, is it's discernment, right? She doesn't understand what she's doing. And even if she does, people around her think she's crazy. So it's scary, right? I think it's, and it's an adjustment through your whole life. I think it's finding who you can trust, um, knowing, you know, um, what you can say, where you can say it. You know, it's not even being confident in yourself, but, you know, working in an environment, for instance, I've worked in the technical field with engineers for many years, and that's been a struggle. So... I think it's it's everything is a learning curve. For me personally, um, I've had my ability since I was born. It's run through ten generations mm -hmm. of my family yeah. that I know of, and I didn't know it was different. And that I think that was the toughest thing for me. Um, exactly. I know yeah. my my mom used to send me to preschool and say, actually, it was Catholic preschool, so that was like ten times worse. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah. She used to say, honey, don't tell the other kids what color they are. Don't tell them who's around them. Have a great day. I'll pick you up at 2.30. Don't get kicked out. Bye. And <laughs> it was every day because I was four. 
how do you tell a four-year-old? I have a four-year-old right now, so it's hard. They don't have a filter, (laughs) so you can't control what they say, and that was my life, but I didn't realize that I was different than anyone in what I was doing, you know, seeing and communicating with spirits constantly that uh, that's that was something that nobody else did until I lost my grandmother when I was seven. So I had her physically one minute, and then the next minute she was completely there, but just a different color. So it was uh, it was really okay. hard for me. Um, so I, too, dedicate a lot of my time to helping people that have natural abilities deal with them because a lot of people have this, especially now, I've noticed that people have this weird awakening where all of a sudden, bam, mm-hmm. they're hit with, oh my God, I have these memories from childhood that I've, I've suppressed for so long and they all hit them at once. And then all of a sudden they're coming back and they don't know what to do with these abilities. So I deal a lot with that or just with kids. I was really lucky to work on an episode of Kindred Spirits where I got to work with a child and kind of walk her through that. And the, the poor family was devastated and didn't know what to do. And they were sending her to doctors and hospitals and everything else. Oh so God, yes. yep. it was really traumatizing. Yeah, it's, that's exactly, I mean, I can certainly understand, and it's true, you don't know what you don't know, right? So you think it's normal until you're sitting there having conversations and people around you are just staring. Um, right. So it, it's, it is. My mother would give me holy water. You know, she would say, you're normal, don't worry about it. You know, my poor father was the one who was having a tough time with it. But my mother it was in the generations of the family, so she understood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, and that's a big piece of it, you know, is how I think, and I don't, I don't want to take away the show by this, but having someone in your family that's supportive and loving and knowing that you are normal, you know, there's not something that is wrong with you. And I think that's what keeps it stronger. And as you get older, because you have that belief and you know that, yeah, there's more out there, but you're not crazy. Well, at least you hope not. Right. Or it's just a good kind of crazy and you can roll with it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we all have to be a little bit crazy yeah, to do I mean, it as we normal do. Normal is overrated. That's right. I mean, at the very I don't least, know. my husband may not agree with you. That's okay. <laughs> he doesn't have to. I'm not married to him. <laughs> at, at the very least, we're, we're we're the weirdos that are running around in the dark anyway. When most people are right. out doing other things or or home and in bed, you know, we're the ones that are living off. 7-Eleven hot dogs, even no, though I can't you get do. Stephanie I do to try one. I will never. Listen. Gary's Best all the way. I will never eat. Not every town has a Gary's I Best. I don't care. I will hold out for those hot dogs. I, I have to say I agree with Stephanie on this. See? Well, just, just, maybe, that's why, maybe that's why I don't have any psychic abilities because I'm eating you know, gas station hot dogs. Maybe a, it's hot dogs are disgusting anyways. You don't know what's in them. If you're going to eat one, eat a good one. Lips and butts. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want quality, to high quality meat. Ron, what, Ron, what's your you're going to get for a hot dog? Ron, what's your stance on gas station hot dogs? Uh, the, the, I don't really eat gas station hot dogs, but thank you. That's thank you. No, well, I don't it's know. It's dangerous. More for me. So I, I can't comment since I don't really. It, it's like Russian them. roulette. <laughs> no, I know the hot dogs. I know the hot dogs in the bun. It's not like I'm. You don't su- know how it's going to come out. When you're hungry, you're hungry. That's all. <laughs> Hey, we do what we have to do. So, exactly. once Ron, once you started um, having Maureen come along on on these investigations and and things start to click, I mean, did that open up? Um, did that open you up to having more? I don't want to say that you know you became more psychic, but did you start to realize that you you might have been tuning into things similarly that she helped you kind of realize that you were doing? Well. When I first started doing this, and, and Maureen and I did the show together, the Ghost Chronicles on uh, WCCM, 
I would always go into you and always talk about I was about as psychic as a brick. And uh, now I call myself a dumb psychic. I mean, not any, casting any aspersions about uh, psychics. It's just that things will come through. And uh, I take them for whatever they're worth. Ma- Maureen taught me that. Whatever you get, you get. And so that's kind of the way I look at it. So if I get something, I get something and I just note it and that's it. Uh, I don't go in like, oh, I'm a psychic or anything, but uh, it does happen. And then you find that uh, as you as you as you kind of go along with these, and you start to, I, I guess, open yourself up to it. I mean, I know that I was somebody that was pretty close-minded about psychics till I started working with Stephanie and working with some other psychics as well. But I really was closed off to the whole idea of of mediumship working, and it was it wasn't like an instantaneous thing for me it was a struggle um to to admit that yes this was happening and and yes it was you know opening up this whole new avenue of investigation and i didn't want to i didn't want to take that leap at first no you were tough was it the same way for you or did you kind of you know realize what was going on and kind of jump in with both feet in terms of you know what what having maureen there could bring to the investigation the whole thing about what I went into, I mean, I, did, I didn't believe a lot about the paranormal in general. But just because I didn't believe anything doesn't mean uh, I'm not going to be open to it. And, and that's ex- exactly what I did. I, if, if I'm going to criticize something or, or, or say it's, you know, it doesn't exist or whatever, I've got to at least study it and, and learn about it. So that's the way I went into it. And it's I've been that way ever since. Uh, you know, we do, we've been studying uh, physical mediumship for over five years now. Every month we hold a, uh, a red light seance on the same day of the month, and we document the whole thing, of course, and, and uh, it put, putting all this information together, it, it makes you realize that there's so much more that's out there uh, that's difficult to explain. I mean, and you know, I do have a a, a, uh, a good scientific background. I have a degree in, in environmental science. Uh, when I was in college, I worked on a space program that jumped on the moon. That I made that. Yes, we did go to the moon. I don't care what you say. And uh, so, you know, I have that grounding base, but I'm still open-minded enough to to look at other possibilities. Yeah, and and I think that the the more that you are willing to to take that leap, then the more you will get out of it. I think you know fighting it and 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 going against it as as I did for so long, it just it just gets in the way of your own growth, not only as a, you know as a person, but also as an investigator, because you need to be open to any of these avenues for making these discoveries to be legitimate because it's one thing to say, you know, you'd mentioned you came from a, a scientific background with this, but also like we're dealing with stuff that doesn't always fit into the, the way that we understand science. So in order to experience it and in order to um, be able to catalog it, you have to be willing to say, okay, maybe this goes outside of what my normal rational way of thinking would be. And I have to try something different to be able to experience and to be able to, uh, to be able to, you know, record it and, 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 and analyze it because it may go beyond any of our understanding of, of what we think is is provable. Right. That's, that's 
to me is my biggest problem with a lot of groups. They they go in uh, where they say, okay, we use mediums and and you know, oh, we're very scientific, or or we go and we debunk, and it's it's like, no, that's not what you're doing. You're you're going in to investigate. Uh, you know, you you should be leaving your uh, beliefs by the door. Uh, you're you're there is just to. Uh, document all that's going on, and then it's analyzed afterwards, and then you can make your conclusions. But it's you know so many people go in there with preset notions that you know that's what they're really going to get, and and that can be you know that's you can do that with anything. You know uh, accountants know how to do that. You can take any set of numbers and make them work any way you want, and so it's it's important that. Uh, you try to keep those preset notions out of your investigation. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about that uh, recently uh, here on the show about how, you know, you can go into an investigation assuming that because a place has a history that oh, yeah. you're dealing with the characters that are part of that history. And there's no guarantee that because, you know, uh, you know, John Smith died in that location, there's no guarantee that the spirit that you're going to encounter is going to be that of John Smith. Just right. because that seems to be the story that stands out the most of a location. Right. I call that uh, famous ghost syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone died at the house, it must be them that's haunting it, and it's not necessarily true. And, and that must be helpful then, Maureen, for you uh, to be there for something like that because you can kind of help from the start. And I know I make Stephanie do it all the time. It's like, all right, who are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with this? you know, whatever that we're getting from other sources, is that who it is that we're dealing with, or do you think that it's somebody else? So it's it's kind of like a little bit of a, a, a cheat sheet to the investigation to have somebody like yourself along along for the investigation. Well, there's no point in wasting time trying to communicate with something that isn't there, and then you don't get any responses, so then people that aren't very intelligent jump to provoking or being negative or nasty and it's like if you just bring a medium in they'll tell you exactly who's there what they look like and what they want to talk about and then you have an entire conversation and you get to go home happy right but when we would investigate and i agree with you stephanie but when we would investigate um ron will you know basically doesn't let you know who's you know where you're going ahead of time so to keep you, you know, the person, the medium that's coming out with the group, to keep them blind, to keep them unaware. So that way when you get out there, the information that you are getting, and I'm not sure if you guys do the same thing, but the information you're picking up and what you're getting on that person who's there, um, you, obviously you document it and you have that information, but then it can be verified later on as well, right? Or maybe Ron can speak to the person that's there, but it's never really when you're standing there with them. In fact, there's been times, you know, you go out to investigate, people are so excited, um, they'll want to hurry up and share with you. And Ron's like, no, 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 please don't, you know, let's hold that off until later on. So there's different ways I think everybody approaches it. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it, you know, to me, if you don't have a little bit the science, you don't have the mediumship, uh, you don't have those aspects, I don't think you're, you know, doing due, due diligence, you know, on an investigation. Right. I think... Um you know, early days of, of just investigating, you know, long before television shows or anything like that. I've I've been plenty of places with both Tim and Moniz where they've taken me and not told me a thing. They don't let me drive mm -hmm. my own car. Um, and that was just for their own, you know, data or whatever it might be to see, A, if I knew what I was doing, and B, if they could 
you know, come up with something or dig further into the story. Um, every television show that I've ever done, same thing. They've driven me around in circles, disoriented me, blindfolded me, removed objects from the house. But that's what I prefer. As far as mm-hmm. like a public event goes, there's only so many times before you can investigate Lizzie Borden's house over the course of 12 years where you don't know oh, something. So it's very difficult. <laughs> um, you know, if I get yeah. to go to a new place, I like to go in by myself um, with someone that knows the history, whether it's someone that either owns the location or is the historian of the location or, you know, local police, whatever it might be, and go through it with them because that means mm-hmm. something to them and I can help them with something. But as far as a public event, it's very difficult when you have, you know, 75 people there or even 30 people there that are looking to you to investigate with them. So I've had to kind of let go a little bit of that when it comes to, you know, paid events for people because they're there for their experience and it's, it's their experience, not mine. I'm not there to perform for them if that's not what they want. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) Um, No, honestly, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Um, We've done many different events um, and there is, there is occasion and I don't know if you've also experienced this, but um, I know that. You know, I've done a lot of, in the past, uh, trans-channeling, right? So, mm-hmm. but I think what was happening is sometimes we'd get to the events, and especially at Halloween time, you know, we had maybe a room of about 70 or 100 people. And, I'll, you know, after having a very long, long day, and you try to be politically correct, but right. having a very long day, and then having somebody say, well, you haven't channeled yet, aren't you going to do that for us now? And yes, it, it just is an awful feeling, mm-hmm. right? Um, because, you know, you're not a trained monkey. Right. I always tell people I'm not a circus monkey. I'm a really bad circus monkey. There you go. See, we're a lot alike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm also, you know, I do the trans mediumship too, so it's very difficult. Okay. Um, And, you know, the the one, we'll say like parlor trick I pull out at most events will be table tipping because it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit easier on me but it's also something for people to view physical mediumship mm-hmm. i have not done transfiguration or anything like that and probably publicly maybe a good seven years because it's really difficult um oh, it is. and that's only like i would never mix that with investigation because it's too much for me personally um it's just uh, by the time like i'm done traveling and everything else i'm 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 dead and I just need as many cheeseburgers or slices of pizza that I can possibly get my hands on in order to recoup. So, um, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's very difficult. It's, it's, it's hard. And that's all people expect is, is the one thing that you can do because it's the one thing that you can do that's different than everybody else. And everybody's used to watching TV shows that have, you know, people standing in the dark, looking at blinking lights and saying, Oh, did you hear that? What was that? Um, but they're not used to watching right. something like you or I do. So it's fascinating and it's much more fascinating because something can happen. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to be in that position and people don't realize it. Right. Exactly. So, so what do you think of that, Ron? What? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> well, I, I, but I think Ron understands. I mean, you know, coming into this, if you're the right kind of, uh, you know, if, if you understand what it is that that Stephanie or Maureen go through when they're on an investigation, you know, it's easy for us, Ron, to say, well, we understand, we work closely with them. We know when, you know, we can see when they're putting themselves in a situation where it might get dangerous for them to keep, try to utilize that energy. You know, I I know Stephanie needs to have like, she always says she needs like greasy cheeseburgers before she can keep going with that or something like that. You know, Ron, when, when Maureen might be pushing herself a little bit further than she should. Right. I mean, when, Maureen trans channels, she opens herself totally, and we don't always get uh, 
good guys that come through. Uh, you know, she's thrown me across the room before. She's dislocated my finger before. I mean, you, I'm sure there's a video on on YouTube. You can see her. And it's always the spirit, around. Tim. Yeah, I'm yeah. It's sure. never more than doing it on her own. <laughs> right, but uh, yeah. Anyways, so you know, it, it's people say, "Well, why don't you skate it?" I said, "No, it's, you know, that's what I do. I mean, it's just like the way I look at it. It's just like if you were a surgeon and you're you're, you're working on a child. It's it's you're not involved in in it emotionally. You're just involved doing your job, and and that's kind of what it is. And uh, you know. It, Having Maureen trans-channel spirits that don't like me once in a while is, is, is not a bad thing. Uh, it, it helps me understand uh, what it's like on the other side, that, it, that they're, you know, they're, they're just people, too. There's some people that actually don't like me. Well, do you find uh, on some of these investigations that you're on with, you know, with each other, are there spirits that come back? Some of these spirits that don't like you run again and again and again, or 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 this are the spirits pretty much uh, location specific in in your experiences? No, I, I don't believe uh, in in. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, you know, we kind of like say, you know, a place is haunted where spirit can can't leave and stuff like that but there are a lot of spirits that can go pretty much anywhere they want to go and uh it, we we've run into many cases i mean and when we we wrote our first book is one of the chapters that we did on it was uh because we had run into this spirit they call himself general Beauregard up in Haverhill, and we went into madison georgia to look for his particular grave at the time and everything but uh we couldn't find it, but that you know. But that being said, I mean, we have other spirits that do uh, dog us. I mean, for instance, in the red light sands that we've been running for uh, over five years now, there there is a particular spirit that uh, is in that area who uh, definitely doesn't like me and pops in uh, every so often or tries to pop in different times. So, yeah, they they did not. Um, What's the word? They're not uh, stuck in one location as many people think they are. They, a lot of them can pretty much go where they want to go. And and Maureen, for yourself, I mean, can you kind of tell when you are entering into a place or, or entering into an investigation? Can you tell when some of these particular spirits may be around? Yeah. Now, are you referring to the ones that we have encountered before? Yeah, the ones the ones that don't like Ron specifically. Oh. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, actually, it's it's interesting, right? There has been a few that, few times rather, that a certain spirits would come, and to me, it feels like a signature. Just like everybody has a unique signature when you're writing your name. Um, for instance, I've done readings, and I'll do a reading for someone, and I may not see them for years. And if someone decides they want to come, a spirit that's passed, come back for that person. It's almost as if you feel that signature once again. Right, and you can identify the person. So there has been a couple times that we've had, you know, like Ron said, a one particular spirit that, you know, maybe they know that situation. Ron's there, I'm there. Um, you know, it's an opportune time to try to make their presence known. So you can, you can feel that energy, and it just, you know, it may not come at once, but it's almost as if they're hovering around us, waiting for that moment to kind of show up. See, we we have our run of encountering some. Um some particular spirits in certain places, uh, for example, the S.K. Pierce Mansion. There's somebody there that I'm not supposed to talk about 
That whenever I mention her name, things go wrong. Listen, don't mention the name. You can talk about the location. You can talk about the activity. Don't don't go there. So there's that problem with with that particular spirit. And then, you know, we have these occurrences that happen in other places. You know, the the Parson Barnard house. You know, Simeon Mm -hmm. Putnam always gives us some trouble there. But the, the only time that I've ever had anything kind of follow me or, or, or talk to me in other locations was whatever this negative thing is in the basement of the Lizzie Borden house that calls itself mm. John. I, I encounter that thing again and again and again. And, you know, Stephanie has to basically tell it, you don't belong here, stay away from here, you know, go back to where you're supposed to be. Uh, it, it's a real thing that can happen. I mean, that these these entities can try and, and, and get you in other places and try and reach out to you in other places. Do you let that happen, Maureen, when when you're putting yourself out there and you're, you're letting these these spirits come in? Do you just, you know, um, Ron had mentioned it's not always the good ones that come through. Do you just kind of open yourself up to whatever wants to come in? Or do you try and, and cognizantly keep these, these negative spirits away? You know, obviously you try to keep the, the negative ones. I mean, you're trying to get a message through. So to me, no matter if you open yourself up, you know, you're opening yourself up, right? You can, you know, try to prevent that and stop them. And it's, you know, I think a lot is your beliefs. But I've also encountered times where, like Stephanie, you say that you have to have a certain amount of cheeseburgers or certain foods, yep. you know, whether it's greasy foods, to get you to that strength, to your inner strength, you know, like to get you through those energetic moments. Um, you know, for me, it may be, you know, I carry around certain things, and I have, you know, my girlfriend will say, you know, well, we believe shamanically that we don't need to have those, you know, items to protect you. But it's not necessarily, I think, the item for me. It's the belief in it. So Mm -hmm. if I've had a day where I've had a cold or a flu or I'm just not feeling very well, right, and I I feel that you tend to go out and investigation, you can also be a little bit more easy picking. Um, and it may be my belief in that, right? I'm feeling tired. My energy feels lower. And if I go into a place and I open myself up, you know, it's, it can be very, it's a balancing act, right, that you have to shut that off. And sometimes it's not as easy to turn that off as you like. Yeah, I, I find, too, that um, if you are, if you try to be too discerning, at least on my end, from 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 my investigative abilities which is you know not what you and stephanie can do but just in terms of trying to reach out communicate whatever i can do to kind of stir things up i find that um if i try to get too limited in who i'm willing to talk to you know you could be sitting around there with having a whole bunch of nothing going on that sometimes you have to be willing to just talk to whoever's there even if whoever's there might necessarily not necessarily be who you want to be talking to Right. Now, have you guys come across, we've had um, times that, you know, you've had um, like a location or a house that there's numerous spirits from different time periods that one might be overshadowing the other. Um, So you may be communicating and with this, you know, very pleasant woman and then, you know, or a child, and then you have someone that comes in that's trying to keep them from, from actually communicating with you. You know, they are overshadowing the whole situation. And I think, you know, Ron, with what you've been able to do with the New England Ghost Project over the years, uh, through the different uh, radio shows that you've done, through the through the books that we'll talk about, I mean, it, it seems like you've been able to kind of make people understand what it is that you're doing on these investigations. And, of course, also, you know, you bring people with you on these investigations, and you, you hold different events, and you hold different um 
you know, different classes for people. So you've you've done as much as you can to make it accessible to people to understand what it is that the New England Ghost Project does. Do you feel like um, in all that time and in, in, in trying to put that out there, have people been accepting of the fact that, you know, there's a scientific way to do this, but there's also a metaphysical way to do this as well? I think so, but you know, ever since I started it, when I when I first started the the Ghost Project, of course, it started as a TV show, like I said, and so I've always been. The, the purpose was partly education, and and that's why we've always had, you know, a press embedded with us and reporters and whatever. But the whole purpose is not for us to tell you this is the right way to do it, this is the wrong way to do it, this is the way we do it, you make up your own mind, uh, you know, is this all bunk, do you think it's bunk, or it's up to you to make up your mind, and so that's why we've kind of always been, you know, press friendly, is, is to allow uh, people to come in and, and make up their own mind of what they're going through, and, and we've been successful, we've, we've really helped a lot of people over over the years deal with problems that uh, they didn't know who or, or what to talk about. And, and also with the, the TV shows that are out there, it have helped as well. Uh, getting The important thing is, is getting the information out there. And uh, But the, the bottom line is, is allowing uh, the, the people to make up their own mind. And, and getting, just one quick question on, on, on spirits and discerning spirits and stuff. A lot of times when we do an investigation, we, we will have uh spirits what i call street ghosts come in and they really want nothing to, to do with the uh the location or, or the people involved in it but primarily they're just curious of what's going on or or uh they just want to be heard and they realize someone's attempting to contact the other side so uh you can get you know a, a variety of uh, spirits coming through yeah, I mean, Maureen, Stephanie's used the term before, you know, like a flashlight in the dark, mm-hmm. that when she turns on these abilities, that's what happens. And so, you you know, you never know who's going to be drawn to that light. Is that is that kind of the same way it goes for you as well, that, you know, you're turning on a light in the darkness and, and, and you're just going to find all different types of spirits going to come up and, and, and try and interact with you? Um, absolutely. And, and in fact, this, this happened, you know, several times, but it happens even, you know, it doesn't matter what people say, well, was it just at nighttime? No. You know, I, I've been teaching during the day for classes and I've had spirit show up. So I think, you know, sometimes it just kind of the spirit may be around and they sense that you have those abilities and they are, they're drawn to you. Um, and you know, sometimes as Ron said, you have those uh, investigations. Um, I remember the one we had at the Wyndham where we had a group of us you know, communicating, and there was, you know, a handful of uh, women, and, you know, the grandson was there and so forth, and, and their loved ones were coming through. So, you know, hey, this is the perfect time. You, you know, there are times I wonder if that during the day that person's not sitting there discussing their plans for the evening, and, you know, it's just the spirit happens to be listening, and, wow, this is the perfect time to come through, right, because someone's paying attention to me. Um, yeah, so I, I remember uh, we did an event with uh, UTEM up at the uh, Houghton Mansion, and uh, we were doing uh, communication in the uh, with the Mason's place, and and it was really interesting because the spirits that came through were all people's grandfathers, 
they like just popping through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was really cool because there was one guy that was like total thought this whole thing was all bunk and everything else. <laughs> and uh, he was a lawyer, in fact. And, and he, uh, he even had the suede elbow patches on his ja- on his tweed you jacket. You remember that? Yep. <laughs> Yes, and his grandfather came through, and he's like blown away. It was almost crying. It was <laughs> so you never know the reason that things happen. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Like I've I've actually had. I've, I mean, Stephanie tries not to do it because she doesn't want to be rude to to the living or the dead. But you know, I've seen her actually have to say to people's family members, like, "Okay, we'll we'll get to you later." You know, right now we're trying to, right. you know, talk to this person and, you know, maybe that's something that, because you know, Maureen, sometimes when you're around other people and it's somebody's relative coming through or somebody that, that has a personal connection to somebody, it might not necessarily be a conversation that's meant to be in front of the entire group. Oh, absolutely. There's many times, um, I've actually tried doing platform readings, um, and I have to say, I'm not sure it's my thing. And a lot of that has to do with the spirits that tend to come through and those personal, private conversations that are not meant for everybody to hear. Um, right. And, and it's my own fear. It, it could be more my own fear. You know, maybe there's a gentle way to handle it. Plenty of people handle it. Great. Um, but for me, I sit there and think, you know, I don't want to turn it off, right? And, and uh, you know, I don't want to use a, a really bad phrase, but sometimes things just come through and I don't even know what I'm saying. So Right. It just starts going on a roll, and if it gets really deep, it could just come out, and I don't want it to be, you know, in a group of people so that they're embarrassed. And that's what's funny about it is, like, you'll you'll do, like, a, you know, mediums will have, like, a gallery reading, and where people pay money to come in and, and, and have this experience, and then somebody will, you know, the, the, the medium will say something that the person didn't want the whole group to hear right and then they get all upset about like well i i can't believe that you mentioned that in front of the entire group it's like but that's what you came for you know like if you don't if you don't want people to know you're pregnant don't come to a gallery reading (laughs) (laughs) exactly you don't want people to know what you're having don't come to a gallery reading well absolutely you know one of the times it taught me i think we're all learning you know i think if you say you're not learning then you're not being true to yourself or anybody right. else. Um, I think if you're being open to learning, I did a gallery reading um, for this uh, close family member, and we got to the house, and you know, I, I explained to them if you're not comfortable and something comes out, then please let me know, and we'll talk about it later. Um, but I have to say, this one girl kept saying, "This other girl, no, I wanted to come out." Well, her husband had committed suicide mm-hmm. in front of her, and it was horrible. And as that said, I could start feeling that I wasn't. I told her we'll talk later. I wasn't comfortable to share that in front of the group of people. It's it's not meant for everyone. It was meant for her, right? So after that, I thought, yeah, I'll take more training. Maybe I'd like to be able to do platform reading. But again, it's not me. I and mean, it's great for others, but not for me. Right. You know, I think it's it's who you are as a person and the discretion that you would use in your everyday life is what you use when you're still reading. You know, you're still human. And um, I remember right. standing in front of a group of about 50 people and I said, I have a young man here that committed suicide. And, um, you know, I described what he looked like. And the half of the room raised their hand saying that they could identify with that. And none of them knew each other. And at that point, I stood there and I stared at them all. And I didn't even know what to do or say. Because it's like, how do I, now I have to get to the bottom of who this belongs mm-hmm. to. And I have 25 people, roughly. Right wanting to claim that and it was a it's an eye-opener for you because you realize how many people are dealing with this and how many people are hurting and grieving and you know i i have to understand that people 
hurt and grieve in different ways. And, you know, my job is just to deliver the message. So I've had to kind of force myself to get over that because it is awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on the other hand, I, I showed up to do another gallery reading, probably about the same amount of people, 50 people. And I described, I had, I said the name, I said, there's a man here named Michael. I said, you know, he committed suicide, like described what he was and, you know, what he looked like and everything else. And no one raised their hand. And I said, okay, this belongs to someone I said, and if we don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. I said, but just please acknowledge that it belongs to you and we can move forward. And I saw one table, one group of people, you know, whispering amongst each other. I said, obviously it belongs to you. And uh, they were so dumbfounded that he had come through to them because they were expecting somebody else, which is fine. Right. And they didn't, you know, they wanted to talk to him, but they weren't, you know, you know, they're picky choosy about who they wanted to talk to, which is completely OK. But, you know, it's a it's a tough subject I mean there's no other way to put it and and people don't realize that you have to carry that home with you I I kind of um I relate it to you know people that work in the hospital doctors nurses and they have to deal with the death or the emergency or whatever it might be they take that stress home with them you can still take those feelings and those emotions home with you because you're human whether or not you you know you remember what you said you remember how it made you feel Oh, absolutely. And it's a good point. So there's many times it is. I mean, you do readings for people and, you know, it just makes you very aware of how much pain and suffering that people endure on a daily basis. Right. And, and, it, and it's sad to say that when you're done with that reading, you know, not that you feel, oh, I'm so, you know, you do feel I'm blessed, right? So it right. makes you really realize how blessed you are in your life. Like I had a um, tough time reading for parents that lost children right after I had my daughter. And that's just because, you know, I mean, hormones aren't right or anything anyways for like like at least a year after you have a child, but it was still really difficult. And I remember even about last year when she was three, it's just hard. It's hard to, to deal with grieving parents knowing like that can happen to anyone and you don't want to think about it happening to you. And it's tough. And I had to do my job and I did it well, but it's still, it's emotionally draining. I, I I have a question, Maureen. Have you yeah. ever come across a spirit that does not want to talk to the person that's there? Um, I've had once, I wouldn't say so much not wanting to, but not knowing how. Yep. Um, right? Because, yep. uh, and again, you're learning. I, I did a, you know, a gallery reading at this home, and the, I want to say it was um, Portuguese was the, the father was Portuguese and didn't really have a very good English, you know, language. He wasn't his first, um, you know, words or language. He, he's trying to tell me everything. And it's interesting because, to me, it's a two-way conversation, right? You have to have someone who can speak with you and you can hear them or relate to them. And you wouldn't think that words would make a difference because it's really not words. It's thoughts. It's emotions. But he had just passed, and I think for him it was more he was trying to it wasn't, he didn't understand. Um, so I wouldn't even take money from this woman. And I said, I just feel really bad because I can't, I'm not feeling like I'm giving you a you know, response. I know he's here. Um, and then I said, but if I get information, I'll let you know. And it happened that that night I dreamt of him. He came to my dream, just telling me everything. He was showing me everything, which was great. But it was just at that moment, it wasn't coming through. And again, it was because they didn't know how or um, you know, they're they're almost not trusting sometimes. You know, you'll get other family members that'll stand there and push them out of the way because they'll stand back and wait and see what happens. Um, so, I mean, to me, they're still, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, yeah, they are human. They're still a soul. 
and they still leave with some emotions that they had when they were here too. Right, especially right after they pass. It takes them a while to right. shed those. Um, yep. I, I usually liken it to um, if somebody comes to me for the first time, they've never had any of their past loved ones come through in a reading ever before. I, I always tell them it's kind of like standing at a seventh grade dance and everybody's standing on against the wall and nobody wants to step forward. They just want to stare at you. And, you know, That's having a good way to put it, <laughs> having to explain to yeah. them, like, this is what you need to do. This is how yeah. you do it. You know, I'll ask, um, you know, my loved ones to kind of like pipe in and like show them what to do. And it's like pulling teeth and people don't realize right. it because it's hard. Um it, it, it does happen. And, you know, to uh, back you up a little bit, you know, I've been in readings where this person's so talkative and they want to talk about everything else but, like, really personal, you know, right. experiences. And their answers to me are usually, well, the person that you're talking to already knows that, so why do I have to talk about it? And it's true. Like, they know the information, but, you know, you're trying to validate certain things for them. So they'll give me bits and pieces, but they won't talk about, you know, really, truly, like horrifying traumatizing you know personal mm -hmm. experiences which i understand because it makes sense but um sometimes people are like well if you don't tell me what happened on this day at this time then you're not real um so it's but they it's, may not even be ready to let it out you know exactly it's a really it's a, tough you know, situation yeah See now, and Ron, this is something that you and I, you know, we don't we don't take this into account necessarily. You know, that the humanistic side of what it is that we're dealing with. We're if you're anything like me, you're, you're looking at the looking at this from a you know analytical. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and you're not really thinking about the fact that it, it, it you for, well, I don't want to say you're not thinking about it, but you kind of can lose sight of the fact that it's a it's a person that you're dealing with, and you're just looking for that data, and you're forgetting the the actual person that's on the other side of that. Sometimes you do get lost in what you're doing, unfortunately. And and does having Maureen alongside with you does that, does she help keep you, you know, cognizant of the fact that this is a a, a a soul that you're dealing with as opposed to just a ghost? Eh, it's pretty hard to keep me any. Ron is Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah. That's all I'll say. So I think it was about what ten years ago that you guys first put out uh, when you guys put out the first book about the Ghost Chronicle. Was that was that how long ago it was? Uh, I think in two thousand nine. Was it nine or seven? Mm. I forget. Oh my really. god! I think it's two thousand. I'd have to look, but yeah, two thousand. Uh, started probably in two thousand seven. Well, per, per per Amazon, it came out in two thousand nine. Right, so. I agree. All right, I'm, I'm just, go with that. Like I said, you know, I believe you. I'm, <laughs> I'm using the internet to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. That's so good. Oh, we that's have good. You know better than we do. So. <laughs> you don't know how long. So, but in putting that book together, I mean, by that point, you know, it, you'd, you'd been working together for a few years, and and you had mm -hmm. some pretty pretty uh, substantial cases that had that you had looked into and, and had been researching. Was it was it easy to come up with the stories in that first book, or was it kind of, you know, a, a kind of like a, a reflection on cases that you've already had, or were you out there actively trying to find things that you could you could use to fill up the book? Oh no, we had so many cases. Oh that, god, we still have a whole bunch now that yeah, haven't been I mean, we really do. put it's down just, in in words. Just selecting um, the ones to put in it, basically. So then, it you know here we are you know ten years later and, and I think it was last fall that you've come out with with uh, with the second book with uh, having more Ghost Chronicles. Well, actually, it's the third book, but that's all right. Well, yeah, you had the other one. The other one was the uh, the Ghost of Day Ghost book. Of Day. Yeah, Ghost right. But I mean, the coffee table book. 
but in terms of more, you know, more Ghost Chronicles, um, I mean, it just seems like uh, in in this time that you've been collecting all these stories and all these experiences, you know, people can read through these books and they can kind of follow along with how the New England Ghost Project has evolved over the years as you've worked more and more together and, and kind of, you know, formed your own bond in addition to the, the bonds that you were forming with, with the paranormal. Yeah, I mean, it's, we definitely have developed a relationship. There's, there's no doubt about that. Whether it's good or bad, it's another story. But uh, we've definitely developed I mean, a relationship, and it has evolved uh, over the yeah. years as, it as we have. Has I mean, if, if you go look at, like, the original, uh, as I mentioned, we always had press with us and everything else. If you look at, at some of the original articles that were written on us and some of my beliefs, and then you look at the later articles, you'll see the, the, the differences in, in the articles themselves. Uh, it, it's just that's why we're there. We're on this earth to evolve and to learn. And if we fail to do that, then we're really not doing our job, basically. And it, it seems to like, um, you, you know, you mentioned the press, Ron, and, and being able to work with it. And, and the stories that I've read about you and your work and, and, your, and your team over the years, you seem to have avoid, uh, avoided a lot of the um, drama. Well, that too, but also a lot of the tongue-in-cheek stuff that that most writers will put into stories when they're writing about paranormal things. You know, I don't know if it's just your approach and the way that you interact with them, but it seems like you know you've never had to deal with the stories where they they start off with you know uh, who are you going to call when things go bump oh. in the night, Ron Kolek. Yeah. You know, like you you've seemed to uh, been able to bring a levity to this that I think uh, that the press appreciates and understands and then reflects in the reporting. I, I guess. But, you know, the, the, uh, both the books, The Ghost Chronicles and More Ghost Girls, they're actual uh, documentation of, of what we really are. Because when we wrote, write these books, it's not just like sitting down trying to remember them. We go through the video, we go through the audio, because we record everything when we do an investigation, as you do. Yes, and, painfully so. And so we went through it whether we wanted to. And, and the interesting thing about it is a lot of times we thought, well, yeah, this happened, but then we'll go back and look at it. It's just, no, it happened like this. It's like, oh. So everything you get in those books are, are exactly what happened. And so if there's any levity in there, it's what we do normally. If there's no forced anything in it's just who we are and what we do. Yeah, and Tim, I say painfully so because to me, um, I do not. I'm not one that likes to be photographed. I don't like to have my, you know, be on video. Um, and there's been times when I have trans channels. It, let's just say it's not a, a look that I want to have hanging out there, out on uh, cyberspace. Mm-hmm. And. When you have, to, when you sit down with Ron and we're going through and we're writing the books, you know we are. I mean, we're not kidding. He sits down and hey, we went here to the lighthouse. Now let's watch this. Oh wait a minute, we didn't hear that you screaming and saying that X Y Z word. Let's back it up again. And I'm like, oh, he looks at me and laughs because I know you don't like to, to watch yourself, but you know, I'm like okay. But it, you know, to get that honesty through and to get that information out there, it's worth it, but it's not easy to do. And I also find, too, though, that when you are sharing some of the, especially with trans mediums, I think people don't understand the process that goes through it. What we end up seeing is we end up seeing this, you know, two-minute clip 
of and I think you know I think most people that listen to the show, Maureen, probably know about the the clip that was uh, with Chris Balzano's book with the the Puckwudgie mm-hmm. channeling and all oh, that. Yeah. But we're only seeing yeah. that that two minutes of what happened during that session. We're not seeing a lot of what was going on before that, the buildup of of how it all came to be. So I think it's easy for people to see that and misinterpret it. So I don't blame you for not you know not feeling confident in having those videos be out there because people can misinterpret that in a, in a variety of different ways. Oh, and they do. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing. It is occasionally, right? Because, again, you, you allow the, the spirit to come through. I've always thought of it in a way where, um, you know, if you're having a really bad day, right, and you're vent and you let it out, how do you feel after? Do you feel better? Do you feel lighter? I, I do. I mean, I tend to also also hold on to things a lot more than I should. But, uh, you know, okay. in, in general, you do you do feel better if you can get it off if your you, chest. Yeah, if you get it off your chest. So my thought is, you know, I would really appreciate if a spirit would come through that has experienced something and wants to communicate verbally and not always, like, vent and, and scream, but you can't control sometimes what they're trying to let out. And maybe they need to let that energy out, and that's the way they do it, Right. So I don't always, you know, I've tried to back off these last few years doing that because you know, just because it's not always healthy to do. But it is something that I feel, you know, I, I have, I do believe I have more control over it over the years. You grow with it, you learn through it. Um, but again, it feels like I'm allowing them to vent and thus hopefully lighten up a little bit if they need to. And now, uh, by the way, if anybody is wondering, uh, we are talking about the books, The Ghost Chronicles and More Ghost Chronicles, uh, written by Ron Kolick and Maureen Wood. You can find those directly tied into their website, anyghostproject.com. So if you just go to that, uh, anyghostproject.com, you'll be able to find a link right there to purchase those books. And uh, I, I was trying to put the Amazon link into the chat, and it was too long um, just because wow. of Amazon's links. But anyghostproject.com is perfect. That will... Uh, that will definitely get you over to the site and be able to order the books because we've got people in the chat room that are saying, uh, you know, I want to pick them up. So we want to make sure that they can get them. And also they're they're available in bookstores, uh, not just here in New England, but all over. Right, Ron? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're available where all good books are sold. Even And they're even available where bad books are sold, too. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always say, I always say too, when you go to a, a bookstore... I mean, you can't just walk in, and, and if you're looking for a book like this, you can't just walk in and say, show me where all the ghost books are. Because sometimes you find them in the history section, sometimes they're in the travel section, sometimes there's a section just about New England. So you just have to just basically give them the title of the book and have them look it up in the computer. Because they tend to put any paranormal books, especially when it focuses on new, a lot of New England stories, they put them in a lot of different weird places. So you never know. I know for a fact, though, that if you go to the, if you're a local listener here to Spooky South Coast, listening on WBSM, and you go to the Barnes and Noble in Dartmouth, they definitely have both books there because I saw them there when I was there uh, not that long ago. Oh wow, that's cool. So what you have to do is you have, next time you're down this way, you have to go in there and you have to offer to sign them for the for the manager. Where is this? Uh, the Barnes and Noble in Dartmouth. Oh uh, yeah, I could love that. So I. I I went in there when, when my first book, uh, Ghost of the South Coast, came out. I, I went in there, and my son saw the book on the shelf and said, Dad, there's your book. And, and I went over to the, to the person behind the counter, and I said, do you want me to, to sign these? 
And she looked at me and said, why? And I said, that's, that's me. I'm the guy that wrote the book. And I show her the author photo in the back and everything. And she's like, why would we want you to write in the book? <laughs> like you have all these books that say signed. I thought you'd want me to sign it. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's, I guess that's just what it is. It's, it's a little reality check. You get all excited because you see your book on the shelf. And then they're like, yeah, no, we don't want you to devalue it by writing your name in it. But I know you. I know you. You've been down this way quite a bit, Ron, uh, in this area because uh, I know that you've actually you've had the chance to investigate the the Boyden Flats Lighthouse, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we stayed uh, there one night. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's right. A little noisy because it's a club right across the street from it. But yeah, that was a cool place. And and now under different ownership. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I half expected you to buy it. Yeah, if I had oh, the that's money, like I might have mansion, right? Oh man, the Houghton Mansion's a, a. It's so it's so terrible that uh, that nobody could could figure out how to buy that and be able to do what we wanted to do with it. I mean, it's not not for lack of trying. I mean, how no, long no, you know? Yeah. Zaff has tried for years to get his hands on it. They just wouldn't let him do it. Right. There was a yeah. There was a lot of stuff. I mean, we tried to we tried to get a, a group together of investors even, and nah, it just couldn't happen. And that was more though because the uh, the town was against it more than anything, right? But uh, I know, Ron, you know, lighthouses are, are kind of your thing. You actually do tours of, of different haunted lighthouses, right? Yeah, I, I was uh, chairman of the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, and uh, uh, I'm also on the board now. Uh, but, yeah, we do uh, haunted tours to raise uh, money for the lighthouse, uh, which is kind of cool because it's on a Coast Guard base, and they don't really allow people in at night, especially after 9-11. And... Uh, so it's it's a good opportunity. We we do usually one a month in the summertime, and uh, we raise usually about three or four thousand dollars each year just on those three tours or four tours that we do. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've been I love lighthouses. Uh, it, it's be, in fact the one in Morgos Chronicles is our first investigation of uh, a lighthouse, which was Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, and I fell in love with them and with it then and. Uh, since then, I've, I've probably done about a dozen lighthouses. And, and is is that still your favorite out of the ones that you've done? Uh, I, I don't know if I have a favorite. But, I mean, I mean it, it's it's definitely a different type of investigation, though, right, to, to go to a lighthouse, especially the ones, you know, like like uh, like Borden Flats, for example, that, that's out in the water, you know, not one that's at the end of a, of a beach or, you know, on the shore. When you're right. on out in the water, it's a different animal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've we've done sure uh, lighthouses as well. You know, Portsmouth Thomas's harbor is on the shore; it's on the Coast Guard base. But there are others that, uh, you know, for instance, Wood Island Lighthouse. We it's the only thing on an island. It's a big island out there, and you have to. It was kind of a cool investigation. We came in by a, a, basically a landing craft, but the front came down, and we had to cross the whole island, and we stayed overnight. And I've, investigated that three or four times and well i'm sure you tim that you've investigated rose island right no actually i have not yet believe it or not really yeah we kept oh, talking about doing a legend trips event there and we were never able to schedule it and get it going but you know maybe it's something that we can look at for the future but i know that um you know just just in talking with nick who used to own the the borden flats and then you know i have a family member who when i started doing the show didn't really believe in ghosts and said, you know, Anna, uh, that's kind of a, a weird thing to be talking about on the radio, but then shared with me stories about her living in a lighthouse in Maine and having, 
ghost experiences, you know, and, and I think it's just lighthouses just lend themselves to those kind of stories. The, um, I mean, the good thing about it too is with all these these government auctions and and all these sell-offs of the different lighthouses, they're landing in the hands of people that actually care about them, and people that want to preserve them. And, and I think that that's helping to keep the the ghosts alive as well. Yeah, the only problem with it now is is you could get them really cheap, uh, but now they they go for quite a a lot of money. We tried to uh, buy. Uh, Boone Island Lighthouse, which is like six miles off the coast. I mean, it's really uh, far off the coast, and uh, it went for big bucks, so it's not as easy as it used to be. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, back in the, you know, when we first started talking about haunted lighthouses on this show, at least you could could pick one up for, you know, between eight and sixteen thousand dollars. As oh, long yeah. as you were willing to do the work, but yeah, it's a different story now because everybody's everybody's turning them into bed and breakfasts, and everybody's you know doing tours of them, so they know that when they're when they're selling them off, they're they're going for commercial interests. Mm-hmm. So and and that's so well, that's one of the things that you have coming up. Uh, it looks like uh, according to the anyghostproject.com, you have three Saturday nights coming up for that: July twentieth, August thirty first, and September twenty first. And are tickets still available for all of those, or is any of them sold out? Or you'll have to go to the link on the website. And I, I really don't handle that. That's handled by the Prince of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. Okay. Because all the money goes to them. It's, it's uh, their own. And then, but, and then you mentioned that the uh, on the fir- every first Tuesday of the month at seven o'clock you have the red light seance, that's yeah. in Groveland, Mass. People can get tickets there for that event. But then uh, I, I also want to give you a chance to to talk about Spirit Quest a little bit too, because you know I have friends from all over the country that come to uh, Spirit Quest every year because of what it is that you guys do and what what it is that you put on. Yeah, it's kind of a unique event. Uh, I've been doing it for eight years now. Uh, it's in Groveland. It's a it's a really cool place. It used to be the uh, summer retreat of uh, the uh, Havel Industrious uh, Arthur Vizi, and it's uh, it was run by the the nuns as well. They built the chapel on it and everything else. There's a, a couple of cottages on it and everything. It's a cool place. But anyways, uh, we've been doing it for eight years. We usually run a theme. Uh, you know, like anything from uh, ghost hunting and spiritualism. One year we did, we did ghost hunting and witchcraft, and then we did, uh, uh, what was the last year? Oh, In Search Of, and then this year is X-Files, so um, it's September 27th, 28th, and 29th. You can come for the weekend, come for the day, come for one of the night events. Usually on Friday night we have a dinner. It's a dress-up dinner. We have costume, uh, you know, contests and stuff. We have uh, entertainment and then maybe a little trivia and stuff. And then next day is all uh, uh, workshops and uh, presentations. And then we do an event at night, uh, usually a ghost hunt or something similar. And then Sunday it's uh, presentations and workshops as well. So, so it, a lot of fun. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a, a full slate of activities. And and speaking of full slates of activities, you'll be with us uh, at the Ocean State Paracon next weekend, and uh, you're actually going to be presenting on Sunday, Ron. But we'll, are you going to be there both days or just on Sunday? I'll be there both days. I'm having a, a booth here. And we're going to be doing interviews as well. So you can come in, and we've got a couple of questions that we'll ask you, and uh, we'll record you. And I'm doing a couple of documentaries, video documentaries right now, so uh, you can help 
contribute to that in, by uh, coming down and say hello. Now, have you been at Ocean State before? Or is this your first year going there? Uh, it's my first year. The, the funny thing is I usually don't do any other events rather than my own, mm-hmm. um, just because I, I don't like traveling that much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, what's his name? Oh, God. I just... uh, Ken? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, Ken uh, Ken is doing uh, Spirit Quest, uh, and uh, he asked me to go down here and do that for him, so I, I decided to do it. Yep, so I'm going all the way down to, where is it? Rhode Island, right? Yes, uh, Harrisville, Rhode Island. Yeah, and uh, and it's actually it's a it's a great place right by the water. You're gonna love it. It's 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 a nice weekend. I'm sure I will. Nice time to just spend outside with everybody and and bring bring some money for the food truck because the food truck food is phenomenal. Really? Oh yeah, they have these great burgers and and uh, and Stephanie doesn't want to hear it, but they have hot dogs too. But, hot dogs uh, are fine as long as they're not at a gas station. No, these are these are like nothing you've ever had before. The food from this food truck is amazing, and uh, and then without a doubt. Annabelle's ice cream truck will also come by at some point. Uh, we 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 did an investigation at the uh, Sprague Mansion. It was a it was um, a Halloween special. We did three different groups in three countries and and uh, three different locations. And we, we had the thing on Ghost Village. We actually crashed Ghost Village. And uh, Jim, our uh, EVP guy, came up with these hot dogs. Were Rhode Island Reds or something? I oh, don't yeah. know what the heck hell he called. But God, those things were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Sprague Mansion's not that far from uh, where we'll be. Actually, we actually had a couple years ago. We did an investigation right after the the Paracon of the Sprague Mansion. It's like fifteen oh, cool. minutes away. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that's a cool mansion. I yeah, don't know if they still I, do it. No, they don't really let people in anymore. We've been trying to get back in for a while now. But the last—it's funny—the last time that we did it, it was just the caretakers who who live, mm-hmm. you know, next door as part of the mansion that they were the ones that let us in to do it and they ended up taking part in the investigation and, and by the end of it they were the ones that were having the most experiences out of anybody oh that's cool yeah, it was funny at Halloween we were there and there was this little old I think they were little old ladies that were living there and uh, they would get people coming to the door and of course we were doing our investigation so they would like take these slow steps to the door so we ended up giving a little candy to the to the kids and stuff at the time. In fact, we brought we brought internet into the mansion because they didn't have it at that time, and we were doing a live broadcast over the uh, internet, so we had to bring that in for it. So they kept it, I believe, after that. Well, Maureen, out of all the the historical places that you've gotten to visit, what what's been your favorite? Well, favorite how? Um, like yeah. just I I, well, I don't I, know if I would say so much favorite um, as most intense. Mm-hmm. Um, might be the Lizzie Borden house. That, that to me was one, you know, uh, as a kid, you know, you hear all the stories and the rhymes, but I never really, you know, knew the place, knew the layout, never had gone there. Um, and then ended up there, you know, with the ghost project. And it was, uh, it was a crazy night, you know, feeling that energy, actually feeling how, um, you know, the person or the stepmother had been murdered. Um, and feeling as if I was getting hacked in the back of the head, that was an experience I don't ever want to relive again, no pun intended. And, and if I think, if I remember right, I, I, I forget who it was that I, I heard the story from. Maybe it was you, but did um, did you actually channel Bridget Sullivan that night? You know, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. All I know is we ended up in uh, the bedroom, right, where the murder had taken place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, uh, at the time, was it Gavin that was with us, Ron? Yeah, uh, Haunted Devon was with us. Haunted Devon, yeah. So we were there, and, you know, doing, doing mediumship, obviously, Stephanie, I'm sure, can attest to this. It's being specific sometimes in your request and what you're asking, right? Mm-hmm. So just happened to be that night too you know everything going on a little tired and when we're asking i'm asking you know how they died and there was going through a period where not just them telling me but i was physically feeling it so i started feeling how they died and you know feeling as if you know can i say for sure you know who i was channeling or feeling i can't i just know that it felt like i was being hacked in the back of the head yeah and it is really cool to be in in the place where you know you can stand there and feel like you're part of the history of what went on. And that's the best part about what we do is that we get to actually, you know, stand around and, and, and not only experience that history for ourselves, but become part of the story of a place. Yeah. I think on a meet for me anyway, if there's, there's, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. Um, so you're blessed because you're in that environment. And that is, I mean, going to lighthouses, going to locations that not many people have an opportunity to go to, being dropped off on an island and, and investigating overnight, you know, going to these places. It's amazing. And having that opportunity and being part of that history of the location is great. But um, it can also take a toll on you. And, and Ron, how about yourself? Do you have a, a standout place that, that, you know, you put on the, uh, you know, on your um, Mount Rushmore of, of paranormal investigations, what would you say has been your favorite? I think I like Wood Island Lighthouse. That was a, a cool place. Well, and again, you know, to have the ability to go to some of these places where we have to be appreciative of the fact that, you know, places mm-hmm. are willing to let us not only go into these places after hours and have access that, you know, most people wouldn't normally have access to, but they're, they're trusting us with the histories and they're trusting us with the the story that whatever spirits are there have to tell. So it's, it's kind of a humbling thing when you look at it like that. Oh, absolutely. And so is that kind of, what, what will you be talking about, Ron, uh, next Sunday at the Ocean State Paracon? A lot, a lot of the same things that we've been discussing here tonight? I'm going to concentrate primarily on uh, physical mediumship and ghost hunting and the involvement of some of the early ghost hunters and how they used uh, mediums and so forth and how it's overlooked kind of nowadays. I love it. I'll be sure to be uh, in the audience for that, not only because it'll be a fascinating discussion, but because that's where the air conditioning is, too. Oh, oh yeah that's 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 the best part about this is you you might you know you might find that with this audience with the ocean one thing that i've realized with ocean state paracon is you can go a little bit deeper than you would normally go with a presentation because you're getting people that really understand what it is that you're talking about so you can you can have high level concepts in your discussions but uh even if they don't get it they're still going to be appreciative of the fact that they're sitting in the air conditioning for an hour listening to you talk so either way, you've you've got a captive audience. Well, I, I guarantee you it's going to be a little lighthearted too. Well, though we would expect nothing less from you, and uh, I will I will make sure that I will keep the heckling to a minimum. No oh, thanks. But then you can you can heckle me all you want during mine. So. There you go. 
it's uh, it's going to be a great weekend next weekend at the Ocean State Paracon. It is happening. If you go to uh, riseupparanormal.com, you can get all the information. You can also follow the Ocean State Paracon on Facebook as well, and you'll get all the information about it there. But it's it's a, a full lineup of people, and it's all benefiting Friends Way, so it's all for a great cause. It's uh, next Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. Uh, Ron will be there, myself. Uh, also, Andrea Perrin from The Conjuring will be there. We'll get her thoughts on the new owners of that house. Uh, Amy Bruni will be there both days. Dustin Parry will be there. Uh, Jack Kenna, Joe Chin, uh, Shannon Sylvia, Keith and Sandra Johnson, Carl Johnson. This is a huge lineup of people. And so uh, you want to make sure that you go and you check it out next weekend. And, of course, all, also check out all the great things that the New England Ghost Project is doing. Just go to anyghostproject.com, and, you, and that's N-E. Make sure I say that correctly so that nobody thinks I'm saying any. N-E, as in New England, negoproject.com and you can sign up for all their great events as well. Tim, can I put in a shameless plug? What? But, Ron, you go first, and then we'll let let Maureen put in her plug. Okay, just come up and visit us up at uh, Spirit Quest and see what that's all about. I think you really enjoy it. We have a great lineup from uh, people from uh, U.K. and uh, local people and everything, so it's going to be great. Always one of the, you up there one of these days, Ken. Uh, yeah, Ken. Uh, what's your name? Tim. That's what right. it is. It's always one of the most talked about things. I'd love to get up there and check it out. And and Maureen, absolutely. Put in a shameless plug for whatever you'd like to. All right. So just want to share that this May, um, a good friend of mine, B.T. Lord, we wrote a book. It is Monster of the Asylum, The Ghost Seekers Paranormal Mystery. And I have to say, it was so much fun to write. Uh, one of the first we're writing. And it's, you know, it's writing a lot of our experiences down and put it in fiction form and I have to say uh, we're getting a lot of great feedback and I'd love for you know listeners to take a look at it you can see it on uh, Amazon you can get it in book form and also in Kindle format and what was the title again it's called Monster of the Asylum and actually I I have a pen name with that it's J.S. Stevens and E.T. Lord and uh, I have a website they can check out which is Maureen-Wood.com Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining us, and, uh, and I look forward to hanging out with both of you in the future, and keep us up to date on all the great things that you guys do. All right. Thanks, oh, fantastic. Tim. And, Stephanie, have a great night. Reach, reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> Same to us to you. Thank you, guys. Yep. Peace and light. Take care. That is Ron Kolick okay. and Maureen Wood of the New England Ghost Project. Don't forget to pick up the books, The Ghost Chronicles and more Ghost Chronicles as well, and you can find them both on neghostproject.com. So, uh, you know, always great to talk with people that have been doing this for a long time and and getting, you know, their take on things. And I think Ron kind of hit the nail on the head, too, uh, early on in the discussion, talking about some of the changes that have been going on in the paranormal world. And uh, and one of the things that we've noticed is that uh, a lot of people want to be TV stars. (gasps) Say it isn't so. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. I've heard. Next week at the Ocean State Paracon. How to become a paranormal TV star. It's a horrible topic, but I know that you have something amazing planned. Sometimes the title might just be something to grab the people and bring them in. Right. Um, But we will be talking about, you know, basically what our TV show is looking for when they're looking for paranormal. Because everybody says to me, hey, I've I've been doing this for 30 years and I should be on television. And I say to them, well, you know, you're the most boring person in the world. You've never said that. No, I don't say that. But there's 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 certain factors that, that TV is looking for. Right. And, you know, sometimes they find that with 
the best paranormal investigators, the people that have the most experience. Sometimes they don't. Right. Sometimes they find it in people that maybe haven't been doing it as long as others. Or mm -hmm. sometimes they find it in other people that you didn't even realize were paranormal investigators, Jack Osborne. And sometimes they do it. You know what I mean? Like this is... And or, that's, that's not a slight on Jack Osborne. It's not, I'm, but I'm, just recently, uh, Holly Madison is now dating Zach Bagans, and Holly's BFF, Bridget, from The Girls Next Door, is now a paranormal investigator with her own podcast and her Facebook page. Anybody. <sighs> I mean, hell, if uh, if the Playboy Mansion doesn't work out for you, you can just go into paranormal TV to keep yourself relevant. There's, right? only, there's only been two other paranormal porn star groups that right. we know of. Right, they didn't last. No, well, the other, the the newer one is is still. They just got going, and uh, they're on they're on Amazon Prime now. Tell me, it's not a real thing. So, no, it is. We're gonna have them on the show. Yeah, the problem is they're in the UK, so it's it's a they're UK porn stars. Okay, so it's a little bit of a, a time differential that we have to work out. But I need tacos. I got a taco right over here for you. Right, the don't, Burger King taco. Don't, don't. We gotta go. We gotta go to bed. Moniz has to go to bed. <laughs> there is no week in weird tonight. Just so everybody uh, knows, uh, Matt Lystein took the week off, or he's on vacation uh, with the Fourth of July and everything, Independence Day. So uh, we will have that come back next week. Uh, we will also have. I'm going to get all these episodes updated onto the podcast feed. We've been getting some emails from people. Um, we had some issues with the podcast feed, and we were considering moving it from our service because our service was giving us trouble. Right. Uh, but I, I've decided to stick with it because, A, we've been with them since day one, since 2006. We're going to give them a chance to, you know, prove themselves to us again. And also, B, I started looking at exactly how much product we have out there. Mm -hmm. And to migrate that from the service that we're on to another would be a huge undertaking. So... I had to kind of uh, fix some problems with that, but uh, we should be able to get those upload, get those previous episodes uploaded uh, coming up in, over the next week or so. But when you've done, you know, 600 episodes of a show, just about 600 episodes, it's hard to just say, well, let's just move it all to another site, uh, especially where some of it is, uh, you know, we didn't keep the best files. So some of it we're kind of dependent on that 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 website to be able to get some of these old classic episodes. Right, Uh I did put them on disc for a long time, and then I don't know where I put the discs. That's so you. So and you. then I actually believe it or not, I have a fireproof safe, mm -hmm. and I kept the spooky South Coast like master discs in the fireproof safe. Okay. So that I would always have them, mm -hmm. and I have like the first couple of years in the fireproof safe, but then I'm not sure if I stopped putting them onto disc mm -hmm. or if the discs are somewhere else, but eventually we'll back them all up. I know that if I ever get really stuck, you know, we have a, a listener locally here who tapes, really? tapes oh, every episode still. I don't know, but at least every episode that's over the radio. Okay. So we always know that we could go back and get those if need be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, we used, we used to have like at least a dozen people. That if I, you know, in the old days when the, the we didn't record yeah. everything automatically and we needed a recording of something, like there was at least a dozen people I could reach out to that would have a recording of the show. Right. It's amazing how like the technology these days, like now people it, are like, everything's so different. I don't record anything anymore. Right. Well, you because know. it's all on the internet. It's all on YouTube. Yeah. Which, I mean, it is now. So. We, we put a lot of faith in that technology. Right. 
All we need is for it to go down one day, like Facebook did. Like Facebook and Instagram at the, the same other time. day with all those photos. Nobody could share photos. Right. And the best thing is, the funniest part about that, by the way, is that <clears throat> it was not showing the photos, but it was showing whatever the whatever Google would define those photos as mm-hmm. if you were to search them. So, like, you realized how stupid the photos are that you put up. So I like, didn't go that far. That's you, way too much work for me. You wouldn't see the photo, but you would see the description that would say, uh, man shoving ice cream sandwich into his face. And then you realize, like, maybe I shouldn't share that photo of me eating an ice cream. <laughs> you know, like, that's like, like the way Google chose to describe everything. It's <laughs> so good. I can't. You know, like me standing there and, uh, you know, in my showing off my spooky South Coast shirt or whatever, it says, man who may be pregnant. Stand- Stop it. <laughs> All right, listen. I need food and I need sleep. All right, I'm gonna so. get you. I'm gonna get your freeze pop out of the freezer. Uh, so that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Also, you know, make sure you come out and hang out with us at the Ocean State Paracon as well. Uh, but uh, we will be back here next Saturday night. Until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Intern Kylie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>